0: DSO is a layer one blockchain custom built to scale social networks to billions of users. Ethereum and Bitcoin do finance like really well. DSO does social media really well. Our mission is to decentralize social media the same way Bitcoin and Ethereum are decentralizing finance.
1: Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Built on Web3 podcast, your on ramp into the world of Web3. On this show, we chat with product leaders, builders, content creators, and business owners about how they're implementing Web3 strategies into their businesses. I hope you learned something new and enjoy today's episode. Today, we are super excited to chat with Ash Gamey. He is the growth marketing lead at the layer one blockchain, Deeso. Um, He also does marketing at DowDow and has been actively working in the Web3 space for a few years now. Uh, DISO is a new layer one blockchain that's really cool. Um, There's, I think, 200 apps built on it already, or probably more at this point. Um, And it's built specifically for decentralized social applications. Uh, They launched in March 2021, have raised over $200 million, which is nuts, uh, from investors like A16Z, Sequoia, Coinbase Ventures. Um, So really excited to dive into that. But before we do, I'd really like to hear your Web3 story. How did you go from... Web2 marketer to web three marketer.
0: Sure. Yeah. So um, my marketing journey started about 10, 12 years ago. Um, I was really into SEO uh, because there it was like all data and research, right? So I could dig into data, come up with a hypothesis and test different marketing um, approaches. And at the time, like if you're an SEO specialist, basically um, you don't really have a portfolio like a designer, right? So you have to actually like execute good marketing and then like prove the data out to people. Right. So, um, at the time I had created a sports blog cause I was really, really into sports. It was like a daily fantasy sports blog. And basically what I did was I grew that organically. It hit like 30,000 sessions a month and then we monetized it and then I eventually sold it. So basically, um, around 2017, I read a book called Ethereum and the <laughs> perfect day for that. And, uh, yeah.
1: yeah happy merge day. We did yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell <me about> it.
0: <laughs> it was by, uh, Henning Diedrich basically. And, uh, it really captured my imagination at the time. And I was like, wow, there's like this, uh, world computer that can like solve all these issues with money. That's why I sold my website to go all in on crypto. But, uh. I invested a bunch of money and I lost a bunch of money.
1: <laughs> yeah, 2017 then, wasn't wasn't the year to go all in on crypto.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So suddenly I lost my motivation. I was going around telling people like, you know, E you know, ETH is the future, crypto is the future, and then it crashed. So that's funny. <laughs> I mean, everybody like I was like, I felt so dumb, you know. Um, and during that time, I was like grinding through the agency world and like, you know, making my way through you know, web two marketing. And uh, I landed at a digital uh, agency called integer. And I led uh, Starbucks SEO for two and a half years. Um, I was the only SEO on the project for all their coffee at home products, basically. And um, I did really well for them. And then um, around like 2020, I had a buddy who was like, Hey, I'm going to start a Bitcoin hedge fund. Do you want to come be the director of strategy? And I was like, Yeah, 100%. Here's my other uh, (laughs) entry into, uh, you know, crypto. And uh, ever since I've been in crypto,
1: so. Nice. What was it about? um, So crypto is usually kind of all of our on ramps into the Web3 world, we kind of dabble in crypto a bit and then figure out that there's more there. What was it about Web3 that really caught your attention that, that you really wanted to be a part of it?
0: Yeah. So uh, Web3, it's just like, it's such an interesting term and people like bash it as like a marketing term, but it's so perfect and like clean for like new people. And I feel like crypto was like, it was really hard to get like creative people into it. It was like very tech heavy and it wasn't very approachable. If you mentioned crypto, like people would be like, oh, code, like mm-hmm. I have to like learn and like get a master's in comp sci before I understand it. And then crypto or web three is like for creators. They come in like um, creative first, like creators can like understand NFTs and then they back into um, crypto and then they learn along the way with the early days of crypto. It's like you had to learn the tech and then you had to figure out like the creative aspect. Right. So there's a lot less friction with web three and web three like encompasses all the underlying technology that's how I see it basically it's mm-hmm. like if you say web 3 it's like you know tokens creator coins like nfts, crypto and and it's just like that one term web 3. so I was like okay so web 3 is like the natural evolution of the internet as well right I can totally get that um, and I think like web 3 makes it easier for us to get to mass adoption versus like if you're coming in from the crypto angle.
1: Totally. Yeah. So it sounds like your first role in Web3 and crypto as like a career was at this Bitcoin hedge fund uh, doing strategy. What was what was that like? And how long were you you working on that?
0: Yeah. So it was called uh, Two Prime Digital Assets. And we managed um, Bitcoin and Ethereum for high net worth individuals. And basically, um, they just like came up with like a trading strategy with like options to like Earn on volatility, right? Okay. So um, you can kind of like hedge, and at the time, like Ethereum wasn't like very popular at the time, at least from an institutional investor perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like tasked with like coming up with the strategy, rebranding, and doing all the marketing and like messaging and positioning. So I did a little bit of everything, and um, I noticed like data at the time that like, there was like institutional adoption of Ethereum. Like I was looking at on-chain data. I was like, dude, this data is like screaming that like there's big whales like buying Ethereum. And uh, that was, was that, it was like mid 2020. I started working there a little bit late 2020, I think September maybe. And um, I was like telling them that and I was like showing them the data. And I was like, hey, listen, Um, I think it would be really cool if you made like a research report. No one's talking about this. I think like it'll get you like the attention of like institutional investors and high net worth individuals. That's who we're going after. So like let's cut through the noise and like be an industry leader. So um, basically like um, I found the data. We created the report. It's called Rise of Institutional Ethereum Investors. It's still on there. You can download it. We did a webinar and we did the report and we collabed with uh, Glassnode at the time too. So we like knocked it out of the park with this, uh, you know, report. I mean, it ended up on Mark Cuban's desk. He read it. And he like nice. gave us a shout out. And stuff. Had like <laughs> three million impressions on Twitter and and we got a ton of leads. And I imagine you know we had some good inflows at the time too. So shortly after that, I left because I was like doing pretty well um, with you know was a bull run and investments and I kind of wanted to do my own thing. Um, so
1: you went all in on so crypto again cool. and then it crashed.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like tripled down on crypto and then it crashed. And uh, yeah, later that year. So <laughs> here we go. That's awesome. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so what did you do next? Were you When did you hop into doing growth marketing in Web3? What was your first kind of, I guess, paid role or, or first time making money as a, paid, as a growth marketer?
0: Yeah. I started doing like consulting. So I I did some consulting with the, the defiant at the time. And they were coming up with like, um, you know, a growth marketing team first. They, you know, they approached me, they're like, Hey, we need some SEO we need a little bit of everything. I was like, I'm your guy. Then they're like, no, we want to do a team. So, um, I took on like paid ads and, um, I was with them for like a few months and the paid ads experiment was just an experiment. Right. Um, Paid ads are very hostile against crypto. They've been like that for a very long time. So we would like run ads at two prime as well. And like it was a 50-50 shot, whether they would would get suspended or not, you know? (laughs) So some ads would get suspended, some wouldn't. Well, that carried over the defiant with Twitter. And um, I just came to the conclusion at the end. I was like, hey, listen, like, I really don't think paid ads are the way to go. Like, you should really just, you know, go all in on organic, which is that's how uh, Camilla, um, you know, scaled her business is hundred percent organic. She just needed to like fix some of the UX and, uh, revamp the content creation. They're doing really, really well at the time. They're doing really, really well now. So I left there, I did some consulting with like, um, like the Swiss crypto bank that had like a stable coin for a little bit. Um, I did some like consulting for like NFT projects. Um, also for like some DAOs as well mm-hmm. and then finally i landed at um dso which uh they found me on twitter and linkedin so like um you know as like kind of a creator you know that kind of legitimized what i was like trying to do you know
1: totally yeah yeah so give us the yeah. rundown on Deso. um what's the grand vision and and what gets you so excited about it
0: yeah. So DISO is a layer one blockchain custom built to scale social networks to billions of users. So um, the best way I can explain it, it's like Ethereum or like Bitcoin, but for social apps, basically. So um, basically it's custom built for social media instead of finance. So Ethereum and Bitcoin do finance like really well. Um, Deeso does social media really well. So Basically, our mission is to decentralize social media the same way Bitcoin and Ethereum are decentralizing finance. And, like, why do you need to, uh, like, move social media to a blockchain? Like, what's the point? We already have these, like, big tech incumbents and stuff. And, you know, they have, like, a huge monopoly. Well, the way you got to look at it is, like, social media is more centralized than uh finance was when Bitcoin was invented. And there's really only three to five corporations that control what we see and hear online. And you can kind of see like the effect it can have on society for better or for worse, if it wrong falls into the wrong hands. And they basically um, monopolize all discourse online. So they run on something called the ads-driven business model, okay? So it's like us as content creators, and podcast creators whatever um we post content online to one day maybe make some pennies on our creations right so we have to like grind content for months sometimes years right um in addition to our uh part-time jobs or day jobs or whatever else to one day cut through the noise and monetize right and you know how tough that can be as a creator right you're always trying to iterate You're always trying to, like, create content no one's creating to get clicks. You have to balance between, you know, clicks and creations and, like, not being too clicky. And, um, you know, but what if you could just, like, flip that on the head and, like, creators could own the network and they could monetize from day one? And there were no ads or anything, right? So big tech makes billions, right? Um, Billions of dollars a year um, and, like, we're the product, right? So like, what if like the creators and the users, you know, own the network and they can monetize from day one without needing 50,000 followers. And that's like one of the big things that Dso enables.
2: Well, I thought the other cool thing about DSO, uh, and it's just like all these other open platforms is that if you are a developer and you want to contribute something, you also don't have that cold start where you're just starting from a new, you can actually leverage what other people have already created. So it just like catalyzes and jumpstarts everything that you could possibly ever dream of from a entrepreneurship or like creator standpoint.
0: A hundred percent. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it's like big tech started open, right? Like these social platforms started open and um, they built like a massive like moat of data and users and then they closed off. Right. So it's like, what does that do? Like, what effect does that have on social media and society? Well, like, it caps the upside and it stifles innovation, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we haven't innovated in social media, you know, it's been stuck in time for, you know, 10 years, really. Um, And like, they monopolize that. And like, there's always stories about like, you know, big tech, you know, snatching up talent, and um, they just snatch up talent to snatch it up. So they don't like, Go to another company and like innovate something. So they like, you know, they hire like the best talent from like Ivy League schools and they give them like one thing and um and then their like skill set rots. At least, you know, that's some of what some of my friends from you know working at LinkedIn and stuff told me. Um so like there's this lack of innovation, there's this wall where like founders and developers can't like build. So like what are what are the options really?
2: So one of the things that comes up. Um, and we haven't talked about it yet, but I'm so excited to chat about it is, um, part of this whole, like account suspension censorship piece that you see in the big tech world, uh, and how DSO and platforms like DSO are censorship resistant. Um, there might not be anything that's censorship proof, but can you talk to us about that particular topic and how, how that all works?
0: Sure, yeah. So the key word here is censorship resistance, right? So if you store all content on the blockchain, um, your digital identity on the blockchain is 100% open source. Um, No one can really delete your content or delete you, right? So it all exists on the blockchain forever. However, like that doesn't mean like, you know, any wild conspiracy theory can, you know, go wild and, um, you know, there's better moderate moderation when you store all content on the blockchain. So, um, on DeSo, we can't like really deep platform you or delete you, but if there's an app, like a social network that wants to focus on like, you know, only like climate change, or they want to focus on like a uh, cricket, there's a cricket social network going up and they want to remove all content from those social platforms that don't talk about that stuff. Then you can, you know, prevent that from happening and then that content can go anywhere, you know, anywhere else on so We can't really delete it. So if there's like bad content that, you know, people don't like, you can still moderate it more efficiently that way. It's still stored on the blockchain, but it doesn't have to like go viral or anything, you know, so.
2: If we can create an analogy just to like help better understand for me and other people, um, if these applications are like mini Facebooks, For example, they could say, We don't want this type of content, or we don't have, we want to have this type of filter or this type of moderation. They could implement that themselves, but it's the thing that your content doesn't just disappear for forever. It still lives with, like, on DSO, but it's just not on that specific application. And more so, you probably have the ability to build businesses that are just filters or moderators and those can be shared amongst different applications that then like subscribe to this type of moderation or that stuff too I, am i is that is that right
0: yeah 100% you could make like moderation communities or like moderation daos that are only focused on you know uh moderating certain types of content and maybe like to dig in a little bit more like how like web two social media works. Like if you post this um, on Twitter, you don't own that tweet, right? You don't own any of your content. It just like goes into their centralized servers, right? So they can do whatever they want with it, right? Um, We can't really delete your content or do whatever we want with it. It's stored on the blockchain forever, right? So if it goes into Twitter's servers, like centralized servers, they get to determine like what content is good or bad. Right. So if like a certain political party took over a web two platform, then they could uh, delete content that counters their narrative, whether it's good or bad, but like who are we to decide what's good or bad for like society. And like, there's all this crazy stuff coming up right now regarding Twitter about like questionable practices. There's questionable security that whistleblower just came out and said, there's no like, uh, there's nothing for like accountability for like user data. It just like goes somewhere and like really you could go on there and just like take user data or you could just like delete tweets or you could ban someone. Um, and there's like no real way of like accountability. So like where are the checks and balances? Like why can't the checks and balances be run by the community or moderation communities or moderation DAOs? And they determine like what should be moderated or not.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I think something you said in there was really important is that moderation is easier if it's stored on chain, right? Because everything is public. All the posts are public. And like you said, in like the case of Twitter, it's a walled garden and we can't see all the data. We can't see everything that we need to see to be able to moderate effectively. And so I think it's really important, but I want to like dive into this a little more is on like the specifics of how this works. So let's say there's an app that's built for you said cricket, for example, um, they only want cricket posts, so they moderate everything that's not cricket is, is that um, is that how that works?
0: Yeah, essentially, like that app can be like, I don't really want any cat photos like popping up on our feed or anything like that. You know, it's like, we just want to focus unless it's a cat photo with like a cricket uniform or something like uh, (laughs) um, we want 100% focus on we want to narrow our focus. And it's only cricket like we want to make the most popular cricket social network in the world. So that's all we're going to focus on. And we're going to program our app um, on top of Deso to, you know, filter out you know, these other like things that counter it. We don't want football. We don't want rugby. You know, we only want these specific things. And like, you can see like on chain, like whether we're moderating in an honest way or a dishonest way, like it's, it's all there on chain. Like there's like a, a couple cases right now with Twitter that, that, you know, people got banned and deplatformed, and then they went to court and uh, they won another back on the platform. Right. So Who's going to stop that from happening again? Whether those people are good or bad, it, it's just not up to us. Whether it's like good cricket content or not good cricket content, it's <laughs> it's up to that node in that app to decide how they want to format it. So
2: the cool thing is, is that that content still lives. It might not be on this little cricket niche because maybe this cricket group gets really into cats that are into cricket, and then the other right. faction says, "No, we just want." Or the originalists, um, just like pure cricket. So So, they could they could still create their own. And the coolest thing is that they can almost immediately. It sounds like spin that up, as opposed to trying to migrate all these users over because the data's everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's node by node, right? So the other example that popped up is like, you know, redefining the word, you know, changing words or or definitions of words and and this isn't a political statement i I could really care about either side but we saw the like recession stuff come up like changing the the definition of a recession i don't know if you saw that like somebody went on wikipedia and changed it and like the definition of a recession was the same for i don't know how long i don't i don't know that much about financial history but suddenly it's changed right um overnight so like what if like you know, like who's changing that there's like some checks and balances in Wikipedia, but like, what if it was all on chain and there was like a moderator or somebody changing things and they had like a history of like questionable, you know, content changes or like, you know, changing definitions in a weird way. And then you could like catch that a little bit sooner versus like, I think Wikipedia is somewhat anonymous here and there, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, then you could moderate that user and be like, hey, like maybe you're not the best for this node. Maybe you're like making questionable decisions. Um, but you can start your own node. You can start your own social network and and do whatever you want with it. So.
2: So switching gears a little bit, um, Deso, like what's your, what's your business model? Because at the end of the day, you need to make money somehow. You've raised a bunch of money. How do you make money?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question right now. Um, right now we're like in startup mode. So we're just trying to find the next um, killer app to bring a million users to uh, the DSO blockchain right now. So you don't really know what that is per se, uh, but we're trying to create conditions to bring people to the chain. So um, to create that app. So basically, like uh, there's like multiple different models. There's like a fee based model. So we make a portion of every transaction on chain, basically. We could create our own apps as well that create fees. Um, it's, it's, it's the blockchain business model. So it's like there's no ads or anything like that. So we're not making money on ads. Um, so anybody can like build on Deso. They can collect fees and we can collect a percentage of the fees as well. So that's like the main kind of like focus and business model. I mean, you can look at Ethereum, basically a uh, fee-based business model. Um, It flips the ads-driven business model on its head as well. So,
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's really smart, the approach you've taken uh, in terms of how easy it is for developers to build on DSO. Um, Because I was looking at it, and you don't even need to use any Web3 technology necessarily to even build your DSO app, which is really, really cool. And I think that that brings in so many more people that didn't think that they could build a Web3 app because they'd have to learn smart contracts and Solidity.
0: 100%. So you can use your Web2 skill set um, on DSO to build in Web3. Um, everybody who builds on DISO basically says how easy it is to build on DISO compared to like Ethereum. And not to say like smart contracts are bad or anything, um, we're, we're trying to go like the anti tribal route really. So we're, we're building towards like an interoperable future. But like, if you're a web two developer, like, what's the like learning curve to learn smart contracts and web three, I think it's about like, one to two years to really start getting proficient in it and like building meaningful apps. I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about that, you know, like the first year, you're kind of just like struggling to figure it out. But with like Deso, how we built it, it's just like all API based, so like you can kind of jump in right away and start building apps.
1: Yeah, that's that's so cool. And I think there's over two hundred, maybe three hundred apps built on Deso already. Are there any um, like what are your favorite apps on Deso right now that you're you're particularly excited about?
0: If you go to um, signup.deso.org and slash explore, and it'll pop up some of our best apps. Like, these are some of the best apps in our ecosystem. And, okay, so the top left is, like, the go-to app in the ecosystem. It's our decentralized Twitter. So, like, you see uh, Elon Musk right now. Uh, he's kind of, like, battling to, like, take over Twitter and, like, make it more, like, I think he's trying to, like, make it more Web3 friendly, in a sense. And, um, you know, open he's talked about open sourcing the algorithm And you can sign up with one click with google that's the easiest way to do it so you don't have to worry about like the seed stuff but um and i won't see your password or anything so but um basically yeah i mean it's like it's stored well i see your seed now so you might have to like change that eventually but uh (laughs) now everyone's
1: gonna hack into my (laughs) dso
0: yeah yeah yeah, everyone's gonna hack into your dso so yeah, it's like a Web3 Twitter, essentially, and you can post on chain, you can earn diamonds, um, you can uh, mint NFTs, you have your Deso wallet on there. So it's not like a separate wallet. It's integrated with your um, uh, diamond account as well. Okay. And of course, like everything's stored on chain, so it's not going to get deleted or anything like that. And like transactions on VISO cost one ten thousandth of a penny essentially. So it's like, basically zero gas fees, like zero cost. If you tweeted on uh, Ethereum, it would cost like 80 bucks, right? So uh, (laughs) could you imagine like, (laughs) if like, uh, trying to scale Twitter with Ethereum, um, it just probably wouldn't happen. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting social experiment to like, have to think through your tweets, um, where they would cost 80 bucks, because like, what if like, You know, I don't know how that would change, you know, Twitter, but it would be an interesting experiment. But yeah, I mean, like, that's like, uh, that's like the best app. That's the go to app. Mm -hmm. That's where you can kind of connect with the most people. And um, I love how the sign up flow is working. We've just been working on this for the last couple of (laughs) weeks. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, when it, you know, starts here, we'll kind of, uh, I'll show you kind of like the EY. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, this is
1: nice and clean. Wow.
0: Yep. Yeah. Super clean, super simple. And if you said like, hi, you know, I'm new to Deso, You'll get a bunch of diamonds. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> loves giving diamonds to new people. Um, but yeah, you get a little Deso for, you know, entering your phone number as well. On the right, you know, you have, you know, daily hashtags. You have a creator coin so people can buy your creator coin mm, essentially. Okay. So if you're a creator and like someone, uh, like sees potential in you, then they can just like, uh, invest in you. Right. So like you can invest in startups and stuff. So why can't you invest in creators? Like if somebody thinks this podcast, uh, is going to like grow like really big one day, like why not buy your creator coin today? Right. So, uh,
2: is that something that's native to Deso, or is that something that was built into this app
0: it's native like money native features are native yeah it's all native to deso so like um we built diamonds into this Mm -hmm. app so um but yeah i mean like everything like you need to like monetize as a creator is built into deso with like as minimal friction as possible like we have a guy on the platform uh so basically he was on twitter and he got banned. he had 1.2 million followers wow. and he never made a dime on Twitter, right? Because like Twitter never had like a monetization feature for creators mm-hmm, or anything, mm-hmm. right? they were one day going to let you monetize, right? But on, they're on diamond. Now, if you search Krasenstein twins, uh, if you go to search. Oh, Thomas, you we were
1: just talking about
2: them. Yeah, I was. We <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They do, yeah they do a lot of, they do a lot of decent content.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So they make, I mean, they're a really great example. They make several hundred a day, you know. Um, not everybody's gonna like make that much to start. Uh I mean, some people make thirty cents, like sometimes they make ten cents a post, sometimes they make five bucks. They're like the best example of like what you can do on Deso if you're just like a consistent creator. And they only have twenty thousand followers. They had one point two million followers. Hmm. How
2: how do they make money though? By just posting or or how, how do they make money?
0: Yeah. So they make money on their creator coin. So you can set a founder's reward. So um, you can change your creator coin reward to like, every time someone buys my creator coin, I make 5%, right? Um, I earn 5% of that. And then uh, the other way they make money is they just post, they earn diamonds every day. And then the diamonds, you can cash out into crypto or fiat. So you can like stack DSO, or you can off ramp onto Coinbase in a USDC and that's how they make money so
1: yeah just so i'm understanding this correctly so um the krasenstein twins here are posting on Mm -hmm. Deso, and they can earn something that you've you guys have created called diamonds um can you kind of dive into like more specifically what what that means
0: so like a diamond is just like it's just like a, a currency right so it that's like denominated in like dso right so if somebody gives you a diamond, they give you like uh, an amount in DESO that you can just like either stack in DESO, or you can just like cash out into dollars, or you can you know trade for another crypto. The, yeah,
1: I see. So it's it's the equivalent of giving uh, the DESO coin it
2: similar right. to a like, okay, on like a Facebook or, or or Twitter or what?
0: Um, you can still like it's separate mm-hmm. from a like. It's like hey, like you know. You get 50 likes on Twitter, that is like reinforcing um, psychologically that you're doing yeah. the right thing. And it also tells the Twitter algorithm that, you know, you're worthwhile and we should show your content more, right? On DSO, it's like you can get a like and you can get a diamond. So if someone like really likes your post, then they'll give you a diamond. That's right. Cool. If they just like your post, they won't give you a diamond, you know? And um, that goes
2: directly, but to I you, mean, like essentially that
0: goes directly to you. So As like right here, um, you have your DSO wallet. If you go to my wallet on the left right here, mm-hmm. uh, below, yeah, there you go. So it'll go in here, right. You'll have your, um, a mountain here. And again, like if you make 10 cents. You know, a day or something, and a transaction is one ten thousandth of a penny. Like you're, you got a lot of runway as a creator, basically, <laughs> quite a yeah. bit. But if you wanted to make like real money, and you know, you make a dollar a day, two dollars a day, and you're consistent, you can actually earn as a creator from day one without needing fifty thousand followers. You know, you could have like a few mm-hmm. followers.
1: Hmm. Well, it's funny. Thomas was pointing out to me. He's like, man, these. Um, I'm going to get their name wrong, Krasenstein twins post so much on YouTube, but they get like 70 views on their videos. And we couldn't figure out, like, we were just surprised at the little, the lack of views and engagement on YouTube. But it makes sense because they're making money on here, so they don't really care.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they could do like little things on YouTube too, like thumbnails and stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just, you know, the thing about the Krasenstein Twins is like, they're doing the bare minimum, uh, minimum on mm-hmm. YouTube. We've already talked yeah. to them about it. They just they just want to post um, DSO stuff on there and their own stuff on there. Um, and then if it grows, it grows. So,
1: yep. That makes sense. So, okay. So I'm looking at their profile here. We've seen this diamond thing where I can basically just give them money because I like that post. What is this buy thing here?
0: So that's their creator coin. So you could buy their creator coin right now. So you could be like, wow, like the Krasenstein twins are crushing it. You know, they post every day, like it's a bear market. I think, you know, one day their creator coin price could be 500 instead of 225. So let's buy it. Cool. Right? Let's buy their yep. coin, mm-hmm. and um, let's invest in them because they're going to be like big Web three creators. Right now, they're only in the Deso ecosystem, or they're only popular in the Deso ecosystem. Mm-hmm. However, in the future, as Deso grows uh gets more users, their coin is going to be worth way more. So, I'm going to buy a portion of their, you know, creator coin right now. You don't have to buy a full creator coin; you can buy a so- portion. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really cool because as a creator, I'm assuming you can set this um, reward that you that you get as a percentage of um, the creator coin. So they've set it to nine point nine percent. So every time someone purchases their coin, they get nine point nine percent of that. But as the consumer of the content, I'm investing in them, and I think this they're going to become more valuable over time.
0: One hundred percent. So your founder's reward that right down there starts at one hundred percent. And then, um, so the psychology there is like, Hey, like I'm going to post as a creator first, earn trust and show people I make good content before lowering Mm. my founder's reward. So once people see me enough, then I'm going to lower my founder's reward and raise funds as a creator, you know? Um, and then you lower it to like 5% or you could do like creator coin sales and be like, Hey, um, I'm lowering it to 1% today by my creator coin. So,
2: wow. so there's a there's a whole business model, like totally new business model that's being unlocked for creators that <laughs> was previously impossible, and it kind of also stems a little bit on this idea of microtransactions because previously you wouldn't be able to to do that ever.
0: One hundred percent. I mean, the the um, internet was built on macro it was like built on bigger transactions it couldn't do micro transactions before but the blockchain business model unlocked micro transactions so it unlocks whole new business models for creators founders and developers that never before existed
1: yeah this um this brings me to kind of this question of um that I'm trying to figure out is what is the difference between something like DSO and something like Lens Protocol. I know you're pretty much direct competitors. Lens is in its own blockchain, obviously. Um, can you kind of talk about what, like, what's the difference from your guys's perspective? Because I know. The lens protocol people have a perspective on dso where they they basically say oh like dso is t- totally focused on the speculative nature of creator coins and investing in creators um i guess what would your response to to that criticism from them be
0: yeah they're not their own chain right so they're built on a finite state blockchain right so ethereum was built to disrupt finance and decentralized finance it wasn't Built to decentralize social media, right? I think you can respect as like you know, you know, engineers, developers, founders, creators, um, the UX issues that come about if you're trying to like force something. It's like imagine trying to like force a Ferrari engine into a Prius, right? It's like she's it's not going to work, right? So um, it would be exciting, though. <laughs> it would be exciting to try. I mean, it would make a great YouTube video, very clicky, right? So um videos exactly yeah (laughs) so um like a finite state blockchain basically means like it stores financial transactions so you really need to only store the starting balance and the ending balance right deso is what we call an infinite state blockchain so it's designed to store uh storage heavy applications like um social media applications the data is different right so Their uh, solution is, and again, like Ethereum and Bitcoin, they reinvented finance. They're doing a great job doing that. So basically, um, their solution is to create a layer, is to build on top of a layer two, right? So, Polygon, right? So, I mean, if you understand UX, like if you create more steps and more friction in the process, it's going to hurt the user experience, right? There's no way around it. So, if you have to sign every transaction um, and there's like an extra step for users, I mean, like, that's the big problem we're having for Web3 right now is like getting users onto the platform and to use the apps and um, regularly, Mm -hmm. right? So, you're creating an extra step on a layer two, you know, without getting in the technical weeds. Um, And that just, you know it causes more friction so for and then the other thing is like for them to say like they're uh we're just focused on the speculative nature of creator coins that's fair that was a you know at the time like we had a prototype um to show what we could do on dsa but we have way several other apps like we have way more apps now that do all sorts of other things so the creator coin is like really one feature mm-hmm. right it's not it's not the be all end all feature so we've evolved quite a bit since then. And, um, so that's like old news. That's, I mean, that's like the best response. And, um, when you're like focused a hundred percent on one thing, doing one thing really well, um, you know, I think the work speaks for itself in regards to quality. And and the other thing is like, look at web to social media. Like there's like so many different social media platforms out there. There's not one social media platform platform to rule them all. I mean, like Facebook is the giant, right. But like a lot of people use Twitter, a lot of people use LinkedIn, uh, like creators post on all the platforms. Right. But imagine what it would be like if like as a creator, like you eliminated those friction points of having to like, like the cold start problem you mentioned, Thomas, like where you had to reinvent your audience on every single platform. Right. Um, you know, you could focus that creative energy on actually creating great content versus like, how do I solve this algorithm again to build a new audience for YouTube shorts? Do I just upload my TikTok videos to YouTube shorts? Like how's the algorithm different? And like, you know, like Twitter content doesn't work on Facebook, LinkedIn content doesn't work on Twitter, you know? So it's like. Um, we solve a lot of those things with DSO compared to like Lens, which is a social network built on top of a layer two or layer one or layer mm-hmm. two. And um, they're kind of social, uh, but they're kind of finance as well. Yeah, so.
1: for sure. So, yeah, it sounds like one yeah. of the biggest differences here is that you, you guys have built a chain for to to be able to utilize large data, right? And so if I'm understanding this correctly, the data, is it all stored on chain? Like if I post a video, is that stored on chain or is that, do I link to it on a, like a decentralized server?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's stored on chain. So basically what we think is like the future of blockchains or special purpose blockchains and the computing power happens off chain while all the content is stored on chain. So that's like what we're betting on. And like, you're seeing some of that pop up right now, like other chains are like mentioning that that's, that's the future. Um, because like you look at Bitcoin, you can't scale Bitcoin to do social media apps. They don't even want to do social media apps. They have like one thing they're really good at. And you want to talk about UX, they do that thing really, really good. Hyper-focus on that. Bitcoin's a huge success. So but, yeah, I mean, that's the future of, of blockchain, computing power off-chain, content on-chain.
1: And so I'm understanding that correctly, too. So the, the current implementation on, let's say, Ethereum, the smart contract is where the computation is happening. And what the, the stance that you guys are taking is you want to offload that so that the computation happens off-chain, um, which I believe is you're calling smart services. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, smart services basically just, like, enables, like, web two developers to build on web three so like with smart services right so okay
2: going back to a little bit of the business model stuff um there's this thought that crossed my mind and i i really want to know so from a business standpoint you have these the financial incentives of making this work like a just like the other blockchains do but what's the incentive for investors to invest in DISO. And then the other question here, and I hope this is not insulting or in any way, but it's it's interesting that the same investors that you have here at DISO are also the same ones that also invested in these web two centralized kind of competitors that you have into Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, X, uh, you know, everything like that from A16Z to, to Sequoia. So you have the hallmarks of web two investors what's the what's in it for investors today and how do you differ from that so that this also doesn't become centralized in some way
0: yeah i think that's a fantastic question that's a question that's popping up um all the time so why should investors invest in DSO? so like what if you could invest and own a piece of facebook you know when zuckerberg was building it in his dorm room for you know for his college and that's it and you're like and you thought through the chess of Facebook and you're like, wow, we're billing it for college, but it could actually be much bigger than that. So what if you could invest in a social network that could have a billion users or millions of users? Maybe we don't get a, get to a billion. Maybe we just get to a million. And um, that means your DSA will be worth a lot of money one day. Right. And um, in regards to like a 16 Z and all the other VCs and stuff, the way I kind of see it is like, they're investors, right? They're investors. They're trying to profit first and foremost. So if you think about the investor mindset, they're also trying to hedge, right? They're hedging in like a million different ways. So they're betting on the future of the internet being Web3, right? So they're betting on all these users leaving Web2 because they want to join an internet that's creator-owned and user-led and open to millions of developers, Mm -hmm. right? So from their perspective they're just hedging their bets right but then it comes like to the idea of like then won't they just own that network mm-hmm. um they will like it becomes like it becomes less of an issue it's more like it becomes more of like a toll road in a sense mm-hmm. um where they own the tolls right they can charge the tolls and stuff like that but it's open source software so who's to say that you know, developers aren't going to build around that, right? Yeah. Um, or build their own apps around that too. So they're hedging their bets, but there's still like a upside there that we don't know what's going to happen. So they have the money, you know, they mm-hmm. they can make the early bets, but not all those early, early bets win either. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. So, but because it's 100% open source, like we still have the power to build around that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We can still kind of do whatever. So in my mind, it's like, you know, maybe it doesn't solve like all the issues like of like the former big tech monopolies. And now, you know, some people are saying, Oh, they're going to monopolize web three, but there's more paths to victory. um, For decentralized networks and communities. And um, then there was in web two where like you tweet or create content, it goes in a centralized server. They can monetize, your content any way they like and then they make billions and you get peanuts so Mm -hmm. let's just say we go to web 3 and they make millions but we make six figures we also make millions you know there's there's just like more ways to win so that's kind of like how i think about Mm it um i think it's like valid and like we really don't know what's going to happen and we really don't have all the answers but that's kind of like that's my mindset
2: gotcha what's the one last follow-up question, and I promise I won't bring it up again. Um, what's no, what's fine. the what do you think like the end goal is? Because you said like, hey, like if you come in, if if you were in the you know the dorm room with Zach to build Facebook, and you got in, and that could grow to be really big and worth a lot of money one day, it was worth a lot of money one day because they also became public, you know, and you know went to the stock market and such. Um, but there, but because DSO is decentralized, that like that like can I go to like how, how what's the exit strategy of like an investor? like how would they how' they get their money's worth out of that? or is that like a very deep comp deep topic?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that's a very, very good question. And um, I mean, there's like multiple ways you could really think of, Think of it they could dump on us if they wanted like i, I don't know <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> that's like the, that's the easy answer i mean it's like a frictionless environment so they could dump on yeah. us and um <laughs> that's you know that's the reality mm-hmm. um or they could um you know it's like ethereum has all these DeFi tools yeah. right so like now they're incentivized to stay on the platform through proof of stake to earn you know yield To secure the network and then now they have a business model so they don't ever want to leave which means the coin goes up and then more people join the network and they can earn more money comes a cash
2: cow or so forth from that yeah okay that's cool sorry for all the hard Um, questions i really i I was really curious (laughs) yeah i
0: mean it's super valid but yeah i think those are the two simple ones i think it gets more complex than that um and we just don't know all the answers yet so
1: Mm-hmm. For any growth marketers that might be listening to this, what would you, your advice be to them um, if they're thinking about getting into Web3 or it interests them, but maybe they're a little um, afraid to, to go down the rabbit hole? Like, what What's the best way for growth marketers that are in Web2 mainly to make that leap into Web3? That's
0: a really, really good question. And um, there's a lot to unpack there, right? So <laughs> if... <laughs> Um, if you want to work in, we'll start with like the positives and then we'll go to the negatives of working in Web3 as a growth marketer. So, um, the positives is like, it's a blank canvas for marketing. Like, honestly, you can, we're building it. We're flying, we're building the plane as we're flying it. Right. So we're creating all the rules. Um, and like, there's a lot of cool things you can do as a marketer, right? It's like, it's open source and, um, You can, I mean, it's ownership. It's about ownership and decentralization. So you can own your work um, in a way that you never could before. And um, if they want to get into Web3 as a marketer, I would just suggest, like, using the apps. Like, use Ethereum, use Solana, use Deso. you know, try Diamond, try Dowdow. These are all marketing tools, right, in a way. NFTs are marketing tools, right? So you have this, like, massive toolkit um you almost have too much firepower as like a web3 marketer so like you have to like narrow your focus and like figure out like what's gonna work because you can get really distracted and um so those are like the positives so i would say try it out um there's a lot of upside and for okay so here's the downsides like everything's <laughs> on chain everything's out the open. like all the data is there you know so if if you're a loser, you're a loser. Like <laughs> someone's gonna throw, someone's gonna throw data in your face, right? And be like, well, your user base isn't, it's going down for three months. What the hell are you gonna do about it? You know, and like, <laughs> you know, all summer we got hammered because you know our DAUs were, were down. And um and like because it's community owned and uh user-led, everybody has an idea about what's gonna work with marketing, right? And the problem with marketing is like uh, it's all the little things that add up over time that like um, result in great marketing. You have to build a solid foundation. You have to earn trust. You have to uh, earn authority. You have to build a brand. So you have a lot of people coming to you with like these short-term like marketing tactics, trying to tell you what to do. Um, Some of them are really great ideas. Some of them are not great ideas. Um, So it's like, and then the stakes are higher because if you build an on-chain reputation and you mess up your on-chain reputation lives on the blockchain mm-hmm. forever so if i'm on deso and i'm like posting content and as a growth marketing lead um you know i mess up or i get fired or let go or something like that like where does my trust go on chain you know it's like are people going to interact with my content on diamond app anymore if you know mm-hmm. deso let me go um and It's like less forgiving, right? Um, than like a traditional web two marketing agency or something like that. Like you have more rope to mess up. I feel like they'll, you know, they'll talk to you, like they'll take you to HR and stuff like that, like they'll course correct. (laughs) And web three, man, if you're not performing, you're out of here. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, you could uh spin up another anon account and start posting i guess but still it's just like i I don't know you'll be you'll dox
1: yourself eventually like i just shared my seed phrase with the world on here yeah
0: (laughs) there you go you're screwed yeah it's gone yep (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, marketing in Web3, it seems like, at least right now, what people are saying is like, community first, community first, that's how you build everything. And you've advised for some NFT projects and done some marketing, it seems like, for, for projects like that. Do you think that's going to be the long-term solution, is community first, or do you think that's kind of like the growth hack of the moment?
0: Um, that's a tough one. I think it's a mix of both. Because uh, there's some like really well-known developers and marketers that have come out, whether like openly or like anonymously, and said like you can't let the community make big decisions; otherwise, they're going to drive the project into the ground. Okay, um, and then there's other people who are like, no, it always has to go to the community. Like we have to go to the community. Whoever contributes, whoever votes, then we're going to make a decision so it's like really tough i think it is a growth hack really to get you know um a group of people with like an aligned vision because they're going to like your content they're going to help your brand grow your impressions are going to grow um however like we're still so early like um in the process it's like hard to tell right so one of the biggest things that like sticks out, we had we did like an interview with um the boys club. It's like a DAO um to bring women in Web3. Yeah, they're
1: awesome. And
0: yeah, yeah. So uh they said something really cool. They're like, keep your DAO lean um for like the contributors. And I'm probably butchering the quote, but the idea was like um find create a DAO of like a small group of like action takers and contributors. Uh, But, like, you know, create a big DAO to help people like expand your brand and and raise awareness. And those people can be a part of the DAO, but they might not want to contribute. And that's okay. Right. So, there's that aspect as well that people are like, I believe in the vision of Boys Club. And maybe I don't want to contribute, but I think this is fun watching this play out. Um, And that's not like a, it's not like a value extraction approach. I think like in the middle of the bull bull run, it was very, some some of the projects were very predatory of just trying to extract value out of the community and um, pump up their coin price or their NFT price. And then they dump on them and leave. I think like the new model is like, create like a a group of like action takers, but like open it up to everybody, you know, um, MoonDAO. I don't know if you've heard about MoonDAO. all their content and all their messages, are completely out in the open. So, um they have like the highest uh participation for voting. It's still really low. It's only like 3% of people vote on Dow stuff. or members wow. of the Dow. Um but yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's yeah. a high
2: voter turnout, 3%. But they yeah. have <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah, of a of I think 11,000 people, so it's like it's like yeah. nothing. But um That's not to say, like, some people just want to be along for the ride, and they believe in the mission of sending people to space and colonizing the moon, and these people own the coin, and they want to own the coin, and they can sell whenever they want and leave if they don't believe in the mission, and all the messaging between the people who do contribute is completely transparent and out in the open. I don't really see any problem with that model per se, you know, unless as long as like you're really transparent about it and be like, Hey, listen, like there's like a small group of action takers in here. Um, if you guys want to come around, come along for the ride, you're more than uh, welcome to.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, well, last question here, and then we'll let you go. I just realized we're, uh, we're over time. Um, if you if you could kind of look into a crystal ball maybe five years ahead, what is like the best case scenario for DSO? Like what's the dream in five years? And then maybe what's what are you most excited about in, in Web3?
0: Yeah, so uh, in five years, we've hit our mission of a billion users and extract all these users from Twitter and Facebook. And we're the go-to decentralized social network and we have a thousand apps that are creator led, um, user owned where founders and developers can build on it freely. That's, that's the dream in five years. If we could hit that then, um, yeah, I'd be really, really happy. And, um, as far as like, uh, web three, um, I think like the idea of ownership, like owning my content, having more ways to monetize, like the concept of, uh, owning the internet, whether it's real or not, like, gets me really excited. Whether like, I own a piece of the internet and A16Z owns like 50% of it, but I own like 1% of it and I have more options.
1: But your partners (laughs) with yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, whatever other VC, (laughs) like, if they own the internet or something like that, and I own a percentage of it, and I can like freely create and I can focus on more creative pursuits instead of tedious tasks. Like I think Web3, the upside is like the future of work. Like you see, like you saw the great resignation, you see people fighting to go back into the office. You see people questioning their day job just to make ends meet. They're looking for some more meaning and so am I, right? And I think Web3 has the potential to uh, create that meaning in my life. I think we're creative beings. Like we weren't meant to do some of these like desk jobs and stuff, and I think that's why we're on this you know webinar podcast today. Is like you you want to do something else? I mean, you love your jobs, but you want to do more. And I think Web three provides that. You know, it provides that upside. I don't know how it's going to play out, um, but that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what gets me excited about Web
1: three. Love it. Well, hey, thanks again for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Chat soon, yeah, it was fun.